That summer, it was just turning me that there's an opportunity here. And I knew this is something that could be better. And I think that when you see what can be done better, it does kind of stir in you. It does make you say, I, I think I could pull this off. Driven by his entrepreneurial spirit, Kelly Loneman dropped out of college to start an innovative screen printing business in his parents' basement. Fueled by his dissatisfaction with the way things were done in the t-shirt industry, he became one of the first in the area to utilize computer-made designs. Under Kelly's leadership, Image Market has expanded into a multi-million dollar company and has provided custom t-shirts to just over 15% of schools in the United States. Well, Kelly, welcome to uh, How He's Building This, a podcast for leaders by a leader talking to leaders about leadership. Thanks, Dan. Thrilled to be here. I'm super excited about our time today. And uh, again, I always love just to go, go ahead and dive into our topic uh, for today, which is leadership, of course. And one of my team reached out to you to set up this interview. Your first response was, I'm not a leader. And I know you, I've known you for many years, and I know that you are a leader from my perspective because it's proved out in your life and things that you've done. Why was that your response? Do you really not think that you're a leader? Well, I should say that when I read through that invitation, I thought, well, at one time I was a leader. I did build a business, you know, had a bunch of employees at one time and it uh, had some success. And But I've stepped away from that business and I've now been working with, with a startup for about the last six years. Mm. And the startup is so small, it's hard to, when there's only a couple people working there, it's hard to consider yourself a leader <laughs> as much as just a founder or someone involved in a business. So I felt like, well, maybe if you would have asked me 10 years ago, that would have been perfect. There's a bunch of people that were following me. So part of it maybe was just thinking to be a leader, you have to have somebody following you. Right. And I don't think I have for the last six years, but okay. no, I, and after, after going thinking through this and actually I talked to my wife about this, she said, well, of course you are. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to work anywhere for anyone else. You'd, you'd, you'd want to uh, be involved in the, the startup or leading a business. So yes. So I said, okay, let's, let's say yes to this invite. Well, I appreciate it. So, uh, you know, as you think back, Kelly, even just to your life and your journey, when was the first time that you feel like, man, I, and this was probably the first time that I displayed leadership in my situation? Early on, I started, I always wanted to own my own business. And I think my very first business was a hubcap business when I was about 12 years old. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah, My dad uh, drove a truck and he'd find hubcaps and he'd bring them home and I'd set them up next to my house. And I think I had about 50 to 100 hubcaps. And uh, when cars would go by, I would lift up the hubcap for the car that was passing to see if I could get them to slow down. But I remember early on too, uh, hiring you know, siblings or, and neighbor friends to get involved and uh, early on just wanting to be in charge of it and lead. And I think it started there. And then I had all sorts of little small businesses from there up until uh, even today. I still mm. love that aspect of uh, businesses. The leadership part's a lot of fun and uh, getting other people involved and get, pulling the, uh, the resources together. It's always mm. a lot of fun. Yeah. So at what point did you call it leadership? Because it was interesting as I like kind of processing our conversation today, thinking about the very first guest I had on was Coach Osborne. I asked him about that kind of perception about leadership and kind of my takeaway from him was it was latter on that he would own the mantle of leader. He was just quote unquote, a coach. And he didn't necessarily initially equate those two with leadership. And so you always saw yourself as a starter up or a business as an entrepreneur. So at what point did, did that become maybe a perspective of actually that's a type of leadership? Yeah. You know, I think one of the times maybe it was when the 
the business started to grow. It, it was a screen printing t-shirt business out of Omaha. And there's a certain point where we started having uh, weekly meetings where you brought everyone together and mm. you wanted to make sure that everyone was on the same page. Everyone had the same vision and we we're all going the same direction. And I think those weekly meetings kind of made you feel more, made, anyway, made me feel more like a leader. You get yeah. everybody uh, in one room together, uh, you inspire them, you kind of point them in the right direction. You try to get everyone on the same page and speaking with the same voice and uh, just having the same goal. And you'd leave one of those and I would kind of feel jazz and hoping that other people would maybe catch the same vision. I'd say that uh, really made me kind of feel like, okay, now we're, I, I'm the leader of this, uh, this organization and we're uh, kind of all on the same page. So yeah, I would say uh, when you start doing meetings like that and getting everyone uh, moving in the same direction, maybe that's the first time I really considered myself mm, a leader. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's dive into that, which grew into a very significant business for you called Quality. I mean, it's a fascinating story. And again, I met you, I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and I walk in and super impressed with what I experienced. I was getting t-shirts for one of the groups I was working with, saw you and asked you if you were the owner. And at that point, we were both a lot younger, you know, and I'm, noticing how young you were. And I'm like, man, I'm just curious about your story. Concept of quality started as a freshman in college, correct? Back a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. At 16, I would come up with Nebraska Cornhusker t-shirt ideas. Ah. Well, I'd come up with t-shirt ideas. I'm sure they, I, I promise you, they were not licensed. I didn't know that you had to go through <laughs> these certain steps to make them legal. But I would go and get these t-shirts printed at different screen printers in Omaha. And I would meet them and get to know the process. And I would really get to know, uh, you know, so I'd, I'd have these t-shirts printed, designed, and then I would drive up and down I-80 selling them to gas stations. I'd also sell them to gift stores or pretty much any any retail store that would sell a t-shirt. Yeah. I was knocking on the door to see if they'd buy these Husker shirts. Well, one of the worst parts of it, of the process, and I went to every screen printing business in town, was back then in 1986, believe it or not, uh, everything was still done by hand as far as design. Huh. So everything was done. They, uh, it was, it was the real frustrating part of that industry is you want, you'd want you be excited about a t-shirt idea. You'd go in and they'd say, well, let me uh, draw something up. Could you come back in a week? And they'd mm. show it to you, it'd be in black and white. And if you wanted to make a change, that artist was standing right there and like, okay, let me start over. Uh -huh. So that's what it was like back in just the 80s. Mm. seems like I'm talking about something 100 years ago. Right. Just back in the 80s, it was like that. So then when I went off to college, uh, down at the University of Nebraska, uh, I was in a class. And, in the, and uh, in the class, we had a Macintosh. And all they taught us, the, the idea of the class, and this is first-generation Macintosh, they asked us to um, that we were going to do a few things. One was we we're going to learn like Microsoft Word and maybe Excel. But the third thing was they had a, a paint program called Super Paint, and they taught you how to design a logo on this early version of a, uh -huh. a drawing program. And when I was in there, I thought, wow, screen printers should be using computers to uh, create designs and logos. So after that freshman year, I put a whole system together, a Macintosh and a printer, and I went back to those screen printing businesses and asked them if I could teach them how to use this system. And I had a price, a consulting price, and I was going to set them up at their art department with a Macintosh. And one by one, they said, no, everything's done by hand. It's better to do it by hand. So then about two weeks before my sophomore year, I contacted my roommate, who was my, my best friend who I was rooming with, to say, hey, I think I'm going to drop on at college because I have to start this. Wow. Screen printers should have a computer for their art department because they could show their customers the design and color while they wait. And that was just the big difference. So that's kind of how the business got started was mm -hmm. uh, this need that I just saw that was just bugging me that being done wrong and it could be done better. 
Yeah. So. A uh, leadership equation, which we'll kind of talk through with your story today. So dissatisfaction, right? So, so much of leadership start, starts with some type of dissatisfaction and yours was like, what's a better way to do this? Like, why are you doing it that way? There's this great technology out there. Uh, that was kind of your impetus to eventually starting your first major business. Yes, um, that's a good point. That is, that was a dissatisfaction was yeah. it could be done better. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll make some parents nervous if they have their, have their kids listening to this, but uh, uh, you dropped out of college and never went back, correct? Never went back. I thought maybe someday, but no, never went back. How old are you now? Gosh, 54. Yeah. So and uh, any regrets on that? No, no, not at all. <laughs> No, it's not. Yeah, for, it's, college is great for a lot of people, it's, but it's not for everybody. Yes, yes. And, you know, a lot of times people think it's not for, you know, blue collar workers, right? You're not a blue collar worker and God blessed you with gifts and you're wildly successful and pretty much anyone's definition of success and college wasn't for you. It wasn't right. That's correct. So we talked about the dissatisfaction part. Leaders don't just sit in dissatisfaction. They act at some point. They go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to do something about that. So talk about that a little bit more. I think we've kind of hit on it some, but that summer it was just turning me that there's an opportunity here, and just knowing I had this experience in the past and I've worked with so many different screen printing businesses locally. I knew this is something that could be better. And I think that when you see what can be done better, it does kind of stir in you. It does mm -hmm. make you say, I, I think I could pull this off. And I think my parents probably gave me a lot of, uh, maybe just all growing up, always said, yeah, you can do that. You can do this. And it makes you believe that, you know, if, if they think I can do this, I, I probably should give that a try. So when I, I talked to my parents about that, it's like, hey, I think I think this is important. I think I can pull this off. And you know, there's risk involved. At the time, you know, anybody starting a, a new startup Absolutely. Uh, they have to, you know, less risk when you're 19, you know, you don't have a mortgage payment and things like that, <laughs> but there is risk. I had this path, I was going through college and, you know, three more years, I could be, have a, a degree. So the risk was I'd have to leave that and try something else. But I think uh, when, uh, to your point, there's, when you are, you have this idea in front of you that you, you think you can pull off and you think, you know, I think I can pull everything together and do this. You can't sleep at night. If you're like, I know this is something I, I, I have to do. Mm -hmm. Even when I said I, I called my my best friend and my college roommate to say, I'm I'm sorry, I think you're gonna have to find a new roommate in the next <laughs> two weeks in the dorm room. He understood. He knew that I wasn't gonna be okay not doing this. So it was one mm -hmm. of those things where you just had to do it. Does yeah. that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Well, part of the thing is, yeah, it totally does. You know, as I thought about this whole leadership equation, they so bleed into each other, right? So it's hard to talk about dissatisfaction without talking about the vision that you have because you're dissatisfied because you see that there's a better way. And I definitely did. I Early on, my business plan, I didn't, you know, again, I was only a freshman in college. I didn't know much about business plans, but my business plan was pretty simple. And it was, you know, where am I going? How am I going to get there? And, you know, maybe, maybe that was all there was, you know, <laughs> where, where am I today? Where am I going and how am I going to get there? And totally. I knew, like, I know where, I, I think I kind of, the where am I going, I kind of painted a blue sky. Like, how great is this going to be for customers? And they can come in and see their design get created right in front of them mm -hmm. while they wait. So much better than that. And then when you started to look how, what is it going to take to get there? I believe that could pull it all together. I think a big part of that, you know, a lot of us will have ideas, but, and I sometimes will have ideas and then determine, you know what, I can't pull together all the resources for this. This is too big for me. Mm -hmm. That idea was tackable. It's something I thought. I can pull this off. 
thinking about the, your vision that you had for quality, that initial business, how far did you see? Like, did you see it developing into what it ended up developing into on the front end? No, I think early on, my only, uh, when I painted blue sky back there, it was so small. I think I was like, someday I'm going to have, I'm not going to be in my parents' basement. Someday <laughs> I'm going to be in an actual store with a computer and with a, with a, a designer and maybe somebody else that, that will do the bookkeeping. And, you know, I, I think my, my entire dream maybe consisted of about four employees and being able to make a living. So also as far as the, I didn't picture it being national back then. I pictured it just being a local successful business, but even that made sense. I, the goal met what I thought I could actually pull off. I didn't. I didn't think I'm going to create the next uh, Google or uh, you know huge, huge company. That I had a small goal, and I thought this is something I can pull off. But what's funny is even back that back then at age 19, I didn't have any any resources. I didn't have wealthy parents or a wealthy uncle to help me out. And I mm. I didn't even know how to screen print. I I thought well, I could figure this out. I I didn't have any of the equipment or any any of the pieces in place. But for some reason, had this belief I could pull it off and. Mm. That's kind yeah. of interesting. It's it probably that my my resources weren't great. That I, I didn't have any kind of team. So even pulling that off to me was kind of amazing. So we've got the vision. You have this vision of something different, better. So then you've got to move. And actually, again, you've got to be able to create the influence to move from what was to what the vision is. A leader's got to be able to make that vision become a reality. And so I call, I call that influence. You got to be able to influence your circumstance, got to be influence people, you know, whether it is investors, whether it's team members, whether it's people who are going to purchase your things at some point, situations, circumstances, you got to be able to create influence and emit influence to move something from here to there. So how did you begin to, to exert influence to, to make this thing come to life? Communication is definitely a huge part of leadership. And early on, again, I, I think the, I think the entire business needed about $20,000. And I think I, I'm, I don't even know if I had $20 at the time I had to convince somebody and I had to go out and share this vision with, with people. And right off the bat, my mom encouraged me to talk to banks. So I would call up the small banks in Omaha, I'd call up their president of the, the banks and ask them if they could go to breakfast with me or lunch. So I'd go to breakfast or lunch and I'd share the vision of this simple, simple business plan I had put together and met with them and talked them through it. And I would listen to what their no's were. Mm. And, you know, and you know, they would, I think about halfway through that lunch, they'd ask, how, how exactly did this lunch get set up? Who? How did this happen? And I said, well, I just called your front office. And anyway, we would <laughs> they would explain to me why they couldn't give me a loan. And then I would mm. rework uh, their nose and uh, you know, try to work them into maybe some meet with another another mm. bank. And I met with quite a few banks and uh, uh, tried, tried to get just that initial money. So I think that's probably the first example of uh, communicating the vision uh, to pull resources together. And then early on after the the, the first bank loan did come across, I ended up talking a, a, a professor down in Lincoln into co-signing a loan. So I had uh -huh. to convince him to help me to co-sign this. And uh, he later on found out that wasn't uh, allowed at the university. So he had to get out of that a few years later. But, uh, <laughs> funny stuff. But, um, Hold on a second. So this is a college professor who, who makes a living having helping kids and training kids, you know, in whatever his field is. And you drop out, <laughs> so yeah, right, right. So you, you, that's a, that's a lot of influence to, and persuasion to convince a professor that that hey, I dropped out of college. I'm start this thing. You want to be a part of it, right? Right. Yeah, he was uh, 
really influential in my life. He was a, he ran the Center for Entrepreneurship down Lincoln. Okay. And uh, so we had a friendship over that freshman year because we always liked talking small business. And he knew I would talk to him about every one of these banks that said no. And I just know I can do that. I think he saw the persistence that I had to get this done, that it wasn't some, an idea I just had for a week and I was going to give up on it. He knew I was going to keep trying and trying. And I think he was just uh, wanting to see this succeed. So he went ahead and uh, co-signed the loan. And I'm convinced that, that without that, I wouldn't have been able to obviously get the loan or really take that first step. So yeah, but yes, I definitely shared that vision with him. So he understood why this made sense. He's someone that you were, you continued, even after you dropped out and you had this idea, you kept tapping into him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, I still needed a team. I mean, you still needed to put a, a team together. You know, those first few months, you're just getting the cap together, you're getting the equipment. And this is back in uh, maybe December of 89. I was able to get all the equipment that I put into my parents' basement. Mm-hmm. And I try, I got my very first order. There's a restaurant in the mall called Spaghetti Works. I think Lincoln yes. has one too. Yes. So I got a, an order for 100 sweatshirts from Spaghetti Works had this uh, equipment set up in our basement in a very modest home in West Omaha. I had the equipment in the basement and tried to print my very first shirt because I I peeked in some of the screen printing businesses and I saw how it was done. Well, I tried to get the first shirt printed and it didn't work well. The inks kind of touched each other, just looked messy. So I took the sweatshirt off, had to throw that one away. And I had to try my second one. Well, one thing I didn't mention is I, I had to wipe the, the, the machine that you print this with. I had to clean it off with some mineral spirits. And then I, spun, I set the rag down and I kind of spun it around and I tried my second sweatshirt. Same fail, huge failure. It, it also looked bad. So, but I, and I had all my little sisters, my parents there watching me print my first job. <laughs> it was just miserable. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I threw away the second sweatshirt. That one was messed up too. Then I cleaned the platen with mineral spirits and spun it around. What I didn't realize is when I'm spinning this machine around, at the other end of this screen printing machine, there's a heating element that heats up the shirt so that the ink can dry. Well, that mineral spirits rag was still on that platen that I spun around, and it started a fire in my basement right there. My sister screamed, my parents jumped back, and I was like, oh, no, this is terrible. So I kind of cleaned up the mess, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to figure this out tomorrow. So the next day, I even went to bed that night. I remember going to bed way back when and thinking, oh, no, this is terrible. I dropped out of school. I have this equipment in my basement. I have this job. I need to get to to Spaghetti Works. I need to get these sweatshirts to them. How am I going to pull this off? Well, the next day, I called around to every screen printer I knew and asked for their production manager. When I got the production manager on the phone, I'd say, do you have anybody there that could print for me at night as a side job? And about the third screen printing business I called, a guy said, you know what? I can, I can come help you. Uh, he didn't even have the ability to drive. I think he had a DWI. So you know, I had to go pick him up, <laughs> drive him to my parents' house. He would print for me. And I had to drive him all the way back to Council Bluffs every um, It started off maybe once. I'd do this routine about once a week, then two times a week. That was my first employee, and he got excited about this idea. He liked the idea of a computer. He understood the way it was and how it could be done better, so he liked the idea. So that was kind of the first employee. And then in that same December of 1989, uh, I met a a designer who was a college-age kid, and he recognized what I was doing. He was at Kinko's up in Omaha. That Kinko's is just kind of, you know, a copy store. And he recognized what he's doing. He asked, are you doing this on a computer? Are you designing shirts on a computer? I said, I am. He said, I'm doing something similar down in KU, down in Lawrence, Kansas. So he said, uh, uh, well, we kind of talked about it for a couple hours. We exchanged phone numbers and addresses. And he wrote me 
in January and said, hey, Kelly, I'm going to drop on a school down here in KU and I'm going to come work for you in May. Wow. He's excited about what I was doing. Well, I was still in my parents' basement. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't have even enough money right now to pay a full-time employee. Uh, but this is kind of a neat God story is in, in January of uh, 1990, back in the day, it wasn't Google or Google AdWords. It was right. the phone book. Right. So I had to place an ad in the phone book. <laughs> so I put an ad in the phone book that said, uh, uh, quality, see your, see your design created in color while you wait. But I didn't have a location. So I didn't put a location. I just put a phone number. <laughs> so that ad, I placed it in January. Come May, uh, I found a location over uh, in an industrial part in Omaha. That, that lease started in May. That employee, the artist from KU, he dropped out and he started in May. And that Yellow Page book came out in May. Wow. And we were busy from day one. When people would see this ad that said they could see their design in color, well, that was such a big difference compared to what was done at the time that we were busy from day one. So it was kind of neat. God's timing back then was it's just amazing. Wow. Wow. That's so good. There was a post on social media of a baby elephant who had fallen into a hole and no matter how hard he tried, he could not get out. His mother, refusing to leave him behind, worked strenuously for the longest time to pull, push, and lift him from every direction until finally a breakthrough came in the baby was able to get out. Have you ever felt that way as a leader? Like no matter what you try, you keep finding your team in the same place, stuck with the same issues over and over again? MyBridge Momentum exists to accelerate Nebraska ministries by coming alongside leaders as they clarify their vision, execute their mission, and break through ceilings. Refuse to stay stuck. There's too much at stake. Go to mymomentum.builders. Your ministry is a vital part of God's kingdom purposes being accomplished in Nebraska. We want to see you thrive. I've got the blessing of kind of knowing your story from the past and some of these things that you shared on the earlier points that I did not actually know, some great stories there. So the thing, and, and actually you've started to kind of allude to it already, and we've already kind of heard the seeds of the next part of my equation, right? So you've got dissatisfaction, you got vision, you got influence, and then there's this whole sacrifice part, right? That leadership has a cost, right, to it. Talk about some of the, the sacrifice part of leading. Yeah, I think one of the biggest sacrifices what was what uh, I had to give up when you're about 19, 20 years old and you're in college. Those are fun years. Those are mm. neat years. And if there's a risk leaving college and, uh, yeah. you know, you're still keeping track of what your friends are doing and they're having a great time down in Lincoln and they're going on their fall breaks and their Christmas breaks and their spring breaks. And I was, uh, you know, in this basement trying to produce, uh, get shirts printed and uh, doing things that I wasn't really great at. I, was having, I wasn't I was a bookkeeper, but I was doing the bookkeeping. And I, I love selling. I've always loved the selling part, but that was what I'd do between eight and five. And then the production part, I had to figure out how to get that done after hours. Mm. So the hours were pretty crazy early on. Wow. So there's a, I'd say the sacrifice there was just really the grind of uh, getting that off the ground those first mm. couple of years. Those were the hard, the, definitely the hardest years of the of the 30 some years I've had the business is those first mm. uh, three years, probably mm. heard in the past about rocket ships, right? That the, they use most of their energy getting off the ground. It's kind of interesting to think about that intriguing story. your life has been full of adventure and risk and victory and defeat 
along the way. Because when you actually, as you, you, we've been talking about quality, it grows, it becomes successful, a solid, successful business. And you've got this new idea that you ended up launching and that didn't go so well. Talk about that a little bit. So I had uh, the t-shirt business when I, maybe I was 19. And then about four or five years into it, I had another idea for a business and it was called Tomorrow Tees. That's the one you're referring to, Stan, I'm sure. When you have success, early success in a business, you kind of think you have this golden touch. I mean, anything I touch is just going to turn to golden. Had this vision of, had the, of a business where you could go into any grocery store or sporting goods store and go up to a kiosk, order some custom t-shirts and have them delivered to that store the very next day. So I loved that idea. I was passionate about like, oh, this could really work. This is great. So I had the vision for it. And by this time, I had more resources uh, that I had more connections. I could have, it was a lot easier to pull a team together. I had designers from the t-shirt business. I had uh, investors by now that I had access to and could share. And they they saw my past success. So decided, let's let's do this. So that, that business, it took, this is about a year before I got married. So uh, I just thought this is the greatest idea. I put somebody else in charge of quality, that business, and I took off got started with this and got all the financing necessary i got all the resources pulled together and a lot of excitement yeah. i just thought this is new, new building new building all the equipment my name to so many different things that i probably shouldn't have put my name on for sure shouldn't have equipment leases uh but so we got it started and i think the break even on this is we needed to get about a thousand t-shirts early on in the business we just had to sell about a thousand t-shirts a day to break even with our with our overhead, and I got uh, an exclusive with uh, IVs in like the metro area, maybe Council Bluffs, so maybe fourteen IVs, the number of sporting goods stores. And those first days, first weeks, I think we sold about three to four T-shirts a day. Just mm. it wasn't working. Customers didn't see it as much as that, the way I saw it. I just thought uh, this is just such a great idea. And but the customers weren't buying it. So we had everything. We had the team. We had everyone was on board. The product looked great. And, uh, you know, as far as leadership, I feel like I had the same leadership skills there as I had uh, back at Quality and we just couldn't make it work. Absolutely humbled. So this business stand was down by the airport. I don't know. It's yep. down by the airport by Epley in Omaha. Yep. And even to this day, I take a different route when I go down to Epley. It's, you, you don't <laughs> even painful. want to pass that building. It's yeah. it pretty painful time. Yeah. It was humbling. It was great. It was a, when you think now, you look back and you're like, there's some great things I was able to learn through the whole process. Mm-hmm. One takeaway that ended up making a huge difference in uh, quality. That was uh, the, the business of Tomorrow Tees. We had a design. We had shirts for absolutely absolutely everybody. If you were a church and you needed to get some t-shirts, well, we had four designs for you. If you were a cheerleader, and your tears leading squad needed t-shirts. Well, we had four designs for you. We had four designs for every kind of group you can imagine. So we had something for everybody. Hmm. So it was it was okay for everybody, but it wasn't great for anybody. That concept right there uh, is kind of a neat business concept. You kind of want to go to a business that they're great for you. And uh, hmm. that's what we ended up taking from there and um, went back to quality after that. You know, that business started and was over within about eight months. When I applied that to the quality, it really made a huge difference to our success there. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but uh, there's a principle I learned through observing <laughs> your journey in there. I'd like to hear it. That uh, I actually share quite a bit. I call it starting your mom's basement. 
always start in your mom's basement. And so I share the, your story and I think I'm pretty accurate, even from what I heard again today, but you know how you start this business, it's going great. You have this new idea. Now the first business quality, as we talked about in this podcast already, you started in your mom's basement, right? And then right. as it grew, you then had got a bay in an industrial area. When it grew, you added another bay. It was this whole progression. And when you started your new idea that didn't end up working, you didn't start in your mom's basement. Like you, I remember seeing it. Like it was this nice decked out, brand new, built to suit facility, all new equipment, staff. Like you did not start in your mom's basement. It didn't work, but you took that same concept like you just shared. I remember you started in the corner of your current business when you were, when you were innovating and it grew right. and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And then you built a new facility based on this new budding business, but it had proved itself and it's already grown. And then you ended up you know, building your own building based off this new building. But that was this whole progression that started in the corner of your, your business. And you had kind of forgotten that I, not to throw you under the bus, but right. you know, so I, so I call it starting your mom's basement. Yeah. My wife called that uh, something similar, but she called it um, get started with $5,000 <laughs> because that, <laughs> That uh, tomorrow tease, I think it took. Uh, I think it was around three hundred thousand, and I think we went way past that number. And it was, it wasn't a good thing, like you said. Starting with all that, it, it didn't hurt us. It, it didn't help us. It hurt us. Hmm. But my wife, uh, any after that, she's like, "What if any new business idea? You see if you can make it work on under five thousand hmm. dollars." And I was like, "That's great," because. Yeah, I didn't have the luxury of going back to my parents' basement to start any future startups. Right. You do have the luxury to be like, how small can I start this to see if it will work? Yes. And to see if I can, uh, if this is a good vision, rather than pulling all this stuff together and then finding out whether or not it makes sense, hmm. uh, how can you start small? And th there's a lot of advantages to starting small. Yeah, it's so interesting, Kelly, because as I'm talking to young leaders, young entrepreneurs, this hunger for growth and size, like way before they've even got a concept that's proved out. Because again, they haven't had the experience yet. They don't see the baby steps that it takes, the incremental growth, the patient incremental growth that it takes to really see something come to life and bud. Right. Wow, I totally agree. And yes, that that's such great advice for somebody young. Uh, that's they are just getting started. That you don't have to have the building. You don't have to have a big staff. And it's 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 nice to start off small. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even though you're in the same business, it was never con constantly the same business. Like you were always innovating and creating and pushing the envelope and changing and developing, right? Uh, right, exactly. So I've heard the phrase, an internal entrepreneurial, right? You can be an entrepreneur and, and express that giftedness in a current business. It doesn't always have to be starting a new one. Right, there can be so many little startups inside your own business and new ideas and right. Yes. So yeah, that's new visions inside of an existing business of direction and uh, needing to get the team behind that and following that. So yeah, I totally agree. Historically, I know you've kind of heard my definition of a leader and my equation and stuff, but like, have you had a, had a way if you were to define leadership? Yeah, I would say to me, leadership is really just kind of creating and communicating a vision and then finding the resources and the people to get to that vision. Mm -hmm. You know, you create the vision, you think through it and you're like, hey, here's this great idea, something I'm excited about. Can you get other people to follow that and to, to get your team behind that. You know, so communicating is such a big part of that. If you can yeah. get everyone else on the same team going going that direction, and then it's it's not just finding the uh, resources. You know, yes, if it's the new business, you do have to get that loan or you have to get the equipment together or the 
the talent together or the, the skills, but also getting the people, getting the right people. So mm. yeah, creating and communicating a vision and then finding the resources and the people to, to reach that vision. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. I remember a guy, Bob Beal, years ago, uh, wrote a book on leadership. And he said, the leader is the person who knows the next thing to do, why it's important and how to bring the resources to bear to make it happen. It's kind of what I'm hearing you say, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's really, you know, hey, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. And you're able to kind of bring those resources to bear. So it's kind of interesting because it isn't that leadership is this complex thing necessarily, this hard to understand concept. Now, some areas of leadership are have some complexity to do it, of course, don't want to simplify all of life, but the concept of leadership isn't that complex, but it, it's more, again, it's an issue of ability, capacity, giftedness. Everybody can understand it, but not everybody can do it. I can see that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So if you think about leaders, do you feel like leaders are born or made? Do they develop as lead into right. leaders or are they kind of born leaders? Sure. I, I'd say leaders are born, but to be a great leader, they need to be developed. Mm. Uh, things to get better. So maybe that's maybe that's cheating. I'm taking no, it's session. not at all. No, I, I do believe that. they have to be born, but for them to be great, my own experience, a lot of my leadership skills have come from just experience of dealing with growing a business for years. Uh, but maybe it's you know reading reading books. You can get really inspired and learn a lot there. Or training or classes are going to help you get developed. Two examples of that. One is uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the quarterback documentaries. If you Google quarterback documentaries, huh. I feel like they're on Netflix or on Google. They're on all the different channels. But it seems like like it's the same story over and over again. They'll, they'll highlight, you know, Joe Montana, they'll yeah. highlight and they'll talk about their story. And these guys have an exceptional talent, but they're developed. The Joe Montana one, his dad would throw to him in his backyard, mm. throw through a tire that was moving for years, every night, not just three times a week, but it was every night. So they'd get developed so that when they would end up playing for uh, Notre Dame or they go on and play, play in the NFL, they end up developing even there and getting better and better to become who they are. But I think every one of these, there's so many, you need to Google uh, quarterback documentaries. Interesting. Like there's five of them. And my, huh. my wife, every time I would tell her about a show, she's like, no, not another one. There's another one on TV. And I'm like, no, it's great. But it seems like it's a, I feel like they're born and, and they get developed over time. But I think mm. it's the same thing with leaderships, the leaders. And then the other is just through the experience of, I don't know if you've had this, Dan, what your place where somebody's really great at one job and they're so good. I remember one time we had a really great designer. And it was our best designer at the time. And I thought, man, they're such a good designer. There was a change in staffing and I needed a new uh, leader in there. So I promoted the great designer to the manager. Well, you know, all of a sudden you find out, well, no, just because someone's a great designer doesn't mean they're a great leader. And mm. it frustrated but both their team. It frustrated them. That designer came to me and said, hey, can you please move me back into my other position where I was successful? I was like, oh, and that's probably one of my first times I really saw somebody. Uh, I was like, wow, that's, that leadership thing is part of that. You just need to be born with that. Yeah, that's really good. So I was thinking about a scripture verse when you were talking about that, Kelly. Don't neglect the spiritual gift that's within you by the laying on of the hands of the apostles, basically. It says, But then it goes on and says, take pains with these things be absorbed in them so that your progress might be evident to all. Isn't that interesting? It's like, yeah, it's really even in spiritual gifts that were endowed by the laying on of hands in prayer, like the Holy Spirit's empowerment, still there's got to be what you're talking about. I hadn't thought about till you were sharing it that way. Still, you've got to take pains, be absorbed in them and make progress in it. So I, I love that actually. So, and just so you know, you're the first one. Everyone else has said it's both. Okay. They think 
And you're the first one that says born, and then you got to develop from there, which I actually, I love your answer. That's awesome. You know, I, I could be wrong. I could be convinced the other way. I don't need to listen to more podcasts. Tell me, what, what do you love about leadership? What's the fun, enjoyable part about leadership? Oh, great, great questions, Dan. Uh, leadership gives you the freedom uh, to choose what you want to work on and mm. who you want to work with. So I think that's been my experience just ever since the beginning. You get a, if you get a project, if you get an idea, uh, you get to work on that idea. That's, mm. that's freedom. And then if you get to pick who you want to work with, it's just so great. Even this latest startup I'm involved in, some really good friends. And uh, I guess spend my, my time with these same people, with these people uh, going in the same direction. So yeah, I would say it's just that freedom to choose what you want to work on and who you get to work with. Yeah. I've heard a leader a number of years ago. He said, I want to do what I love with those I love. No, that's great. Yeah, that absolutely. Reflects on what you're saying there. And I definitely say you've, you've lived that out, Kelly, in a lot of ways. Cause one thing I've always been uh, really intrigued by with you, I've always loved what I've done in a, in kind of the ministry front. You know, you've always been in the marketplace and a lot of times there's just this grind of leadership and you talk to people who are leading things, even founders and entrepreneurs, and there's just kind of a weightness, uh, stress to it. I'm sure, especially as we've talked about some adverse times that you've had, you've had stress in your life. And I saw you doing that most stressful time. And so I, I know that's been a reality for you, but like, you always seem like you're having fun, no matter how big your companies have grown, no matter how you just always seem like you've enjoyed doing what you're doing. Uh, that's true. That's absolutely have. Stan, the um, sister question, probably to your question, what do you like about leadership? I'm mm -hmm. guessing the sister question to that is what you don't like about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Always loved it. There have been times when I don't always love it. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you you brought up tomorrow teas. Thanks for bringing up tomorrow teas. A huge <laughs> failure of my life. But you know, that's, that, those are hard times. And that's one of the hard things I have kind of struggling through thinking through leadership is sometimes you'll have these great leaders, but they're just working on bad ideas that are their vision just doesn't quite make sense. You know, I, there's no way for me to get this, that tomorrow tease working. It was just an idea that wasn't going to fly. The customers didn't like the product. They didn't care for it. And it didn't move them. Even though I was passionate about it, even though I was able to get a team put together and they were passionate on it, about it, had all the resources. So you'd think I had all the pieces together. So leadership can be great, but when you, when it doesn't go well, it's out there. Everybody gets to see it. And, uh, uh, you know, you have a building to show for it. You have debt to show for it. There's a lot of things where you're like, oh, that's that's not fun at all. So I do feel for, uh, you know, there can be some great leaders just involved in some businesses that are just uh, frustrating from start to finish. And I, I feel for them. And uh, But I, I have experienced that. So, yeah, I think one of the things that's hard with leadership is it, it doesn't always work out. So yeah. as far as as far as the organizations you're with. So, yeah. but, you know, so on that, I had a friend I went to lunch with. And I remember this is in the the startup of that tomorrow tease business. And I just told them that, you know, I just really hope through this business that I can just give the glory to God. Me thinking when this is so successful, I hope I can shine some of this light on me onto God. You know, that was kind of my thought. And this friend said, uh, well, be sure to do that even if it fails. And it's not what you want to hear when you're in a startup. You don't want to hear like, oh, if it fails, but it's so insightful. And it's like, yeah, that's a good point. Because as that one uh, went burning to the ground, <laughs> Give glory to the God. You know, how to give glory to God even when things fail? And there were opportunities. There were many opportunities, even when it went into the ground and went out. You can go through hard times like that and still bring glory to God. And uh, I was able to somehow pull that off. Where mm. uh, at the end of that, you're like, Hey, God, thank thank you for even giving me that opportunity. It was something mm. I was able to learn from. So. Mm. Yeah, what I'm hearing, some of that leadership is vulnerable. You're out there in front 
all your mistakes get seen and get magnified and put under a microscope. And that's great when it's gone well and your ideas work and everyone's happy. But when your idea doesn't work and there's a failure in the midst of it, you're just as exposed. Absolutely. Mm. It's out there. And then I have friends bringing it up 25 years later. (laughs) On a podcast for all to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Kelly, talk about uh, a leader in your life. Uh, Maybe I can answer this another way. It's not maybe somebody that I've been under because I feel like I've always run my own business. (laughs) You've always led, right. But you you end up getting the most impact from those you surround yourself with. You end up becoming who you hang out with. I have a friend, uh, his name is Pat, and he's uh, in in our small group. We have a small group with about five families. We've been meeting together for 27 years. But this friend has a business. He's in the retirement industry where he builds the retirement centers. And he is passionate about having every new retirement center he builds better than the last. It takes care of people in a better way. It gives them mm-hmm. really great years in these. And he loves going out to the centers, meeting with the, the people that he serves. But it's I think what one thing I love about him is uh, he has about 25 of these retirement centers now. And I think I found out from a friend that he has about four to 5,000 employees. He didn't wow. even tell me. You know, you think it, he'd be the first one to bring up how many employees he has. He didn't even tell me that. Well, the humility there, I love that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the success of how much, how many employees or how well it's doing that uh, uh, impacts me as a as leader. But I've seen him through really great times and I've seen him through the really bad times. Mm-hmm. So in the real estate world, 2008 through 2012 were just some terrible years for anybody that's involved in real estate and, or development uh, there. And he was inflappable. I mean, he just did not have any kind of issues with, he didn't change as a person through that. He, it, it, it was hard times, but, but when you're around him, you wouldn't think like this guy is going through some terrible times, mm-hmm. but also when he's had great years, you wouldn't know it either. Mm-hmm. So he's just humble when things are going well and calm and collected when things are going bad. So this just one of these leaders that you're like, I, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think he's really made a huge impact on my life. That's cool. So let's go from a leader you know to, as you think about kind of the books that you've read, you've been exposed to, what would be maybe potentially the most significant leadership book that you've read? I have one that I guarantee, I don't know, I didn't, haven't listened to all of your podcasts, but I don't think anyone said this book yet. But that same professor that helped co-sign a loan for quality yeah. early on, he invited me to a class, if I would have been a sophomore, he invited me to a, like a 12-week class down in Lincoln at night, going through a book by Earl Nightingale, who was a radio personality back in the 50s. What I remember most about it was there was a chapter where he talked about the definition of success and his definition of success was a progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. That has stuck with me in my entire life. If you're continuously getting closer to a worthwhile goal and you're pretty, you know, you're successful, well, then it just kind of makes you think, well, I need to put a worthwhile goal out there first. It starts with that. If you if you have a worthwhile goal, people can follow that. And that can get you up in the morning and get you excited about doing whatever you're doing. Get excited about putting on a podcast or running a radio station or a t-shirt company. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a worthwhile goal, that can get you out of bed and it can get others to follow and be excited to be with you. And mm-hmm. then if you're continuously getting closer to that goal, that's fun. I feel like even now in my startup, if I can finish a work week and say, what did we get done this week that got us closer to our goal? If I have a few things, a few answers there, I feel like that was a great week. You shared a lot of wisdom and insights that you've gained over the years. Beyond what you've shared already, if there was one piece of leadership advice that you've been given in the past, what's one that you said, man, this was 
one of the best pieces of advice from a leadership standpoint I've ever received. Mm. I would say uh, building, just working really hard to build win-win relationships. Mm. I think that works with uh, employees. It works with uh, partners, business partners that you go and work with, with customers. If you have a win-win relationship with a customer, that's repeatable. You know, if you ever go to a restaurant and the meal doesn't match up to the price and you're like, well, I don't think I ever want to do this. I don't want to do this one again. I, I think I'm going to go eat at this restaurant one time. But when it's a win-win and you leave and you're like, wow, that was satisfying. That was great. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was about the right price. Well, you'll go back to that restaurant weekly. Same with uh, employees. If you have a team member that they did well this year and it kind of matches up to how much work they put in, they're going to want to stay with you for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with partners. So you hear about that all the time about building win-win relationships, but I totally believe it because uh, it is repeatable. Mm. And I like that. What would you say to a young budding leader? What would be a piece of advice that you'd give to them? I do have the benefit of having four kids. I've probably given them all this uh, very similar advice. When you have a goal and you're progressively getting closer to it, you can kind of set up your vision with that in mind where you're like, okay, let's say uh, a lot of times I, like, I recently met with somebody that said they have uh, a goal is to have this uh, this business. I want to do this business and I want to have, it was, it, was, it was in the restaurant area, but they weren't in the restaurant business. They weren't working at a restaurant. They weren't uh, taking the right steps. So if, if I gave a piece of advice, I guess, to a young person, it would be like, if you see your goal, let's start taking some steps. Even now today, if you're a 16-year-old, what steps can you take to get to this goal? And maybe the goal just needs to be, rather than this great success when you're having this great business or this idea accomplished when you're 20, maybe it's 25, maybe it's 30. But I would say, start taking some steps now. It's working at a franchise, a successful franchise, finding out what that food business is, if that's your goal is to own a restaurant someday. Learn the ins and outs, find out exactly how this works so that by the time you're uh, if, if this idea came to you when you're 18, by the time you're 23, you can say, I've already been in the restaurant business for five years. I know this aspect of it. So I think it's uh, back to, you said, starting in your parents' basement or starting starting there. It is starting right there. It's starting with just these little baby steps towards uh, your, your big goal. And that's what I'm often told. I know a daughter that one, wants to maybe own her own hair salon someday. It's like, well, let's get started by cutting hair on your own, working for somebody else, learning, learning what that's like. Maybe that it goes on to booth rental learning what it takes to run your own little business, having your own booth. So it's those progressive steps to get where you're going as opposed to jumping in right now and having everything now. And maybe I learned that through quality or that tomorrow T's experience is that it can it can take time. And sometimes it's best if it takes some time. I think um, that's probably a piece of advice I'd give to young people. Yeah, so good. Well, Kelly, again, I knew before we started that I could talk to you all day. I'm way over what I, the time I asked for initially, but uh, just thank you for taking some time and uh, just to talk about leadership with me. Oh, thanks, Dan. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to How He's Building This, stories of the extraordinary work of God through ordinary leaders like you. We'll see you next time.